G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It may be likely that your local church participated in what is known as the National Church Life Survey. You may in fact have been one of those who filled in a survey form in your local church. Well, since the early 1990s, this sort of research has been used to identify the good things and the things in church life that need fine-tuning. So it gives us a snapshot of the church in Australia and identifies signs of hope and the trends that are going on in church life. It also nurtures leadership in your local church and encourages the wider community to reflect on the spiritual journey of the churches that are within it. So more than 20 denominations took part in the last survey. It captured details from as many as 3,000 local churches and their leaders all around Australia. So what does it mean to you? What does it tell us about the spirituality of Aussies? Are there things that we're doing wrong that need to be fixed? Well, your opportunity to contribute to our conversation today. Shortly, we will open our talkback lines on 1-800-316-316. Meantime, you might have a question or a comment you might like to make about church, your experience in your local church, in your community or in the nation. And you can do that at the facebook.com forward slash vision radio Facebook page. Our special guest this coming hour, Dr. Ruth Powell, who is the Director of Research for the National Church Life Survey. Always an absolute privilege to welcome Ruth Powell. And Ruth, a special welcome back to 2020 today. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here and have this conversation with you. Ruth, when we talk about an up-to-date snapshot, uh, when we discuss the National Church Life Survey, and which uh, mentioned there that you are the Director of Research, you really are the one with the finger on the pulse when it comes to what's going on in church life in Australia. It is important, isn't it, to take this snapshot just like it's important to have a national census every five years. A quick, uh, in a nutshell, idea of what you do with this survey detail for listeners today. Mm, Okay, yes. Australia's in this incredibly fortunate position where, as in many areas, we are pioneers and entrepreneurs. And in the area of doing research on churches, uh, it's Australian churches who've stepped up and have worked together for over 25 years to collect information, to listen to the voice of the people. And it's a real credit, I think, to everybody over such a long time that that's happened. What do we do with this material? Well, it's like holding up a mirror. It's uh, information that serves not only the local church that takes part, gives them a mirror to say, this is what your people are saying. You will know a lot, um, but this is something that... Uh, can give you a sense of where where this 
faith, local faith community is up to. But then we also, because so many churches take part, we're able to provide regional leaders such as bishops or regional officers, etc., to get a sense of what's going on in their region. That helps them think strategically to plan where to put resources, find out who needs a bit of help and you know, along the way. Then we roll up to denominations and we provide material to heads of churches, denominational leaders who have to speak on behalf of their, uh, their, their denomination or to have to understand where they're, they're full, you know, where is the Baptist church in Australia up to? Where is the Lutheran church in Australia up to? So we provide that national picture as well. And then finally, we can speak about the whole church together as one whole body. And we can provide information for people who are just interested in religion or spirituality generally and, and are curious about what is the role of the Christian church in the Australian landscape today, because it's, it's certainly changing. So a conversation today in which some listeners will be able to say, I wonder if everyone else thinks just like I do or like mm-hmm. the other people in my local church. That when we talk about things like, you know, sometimes we'll discuss the idea of a decline in church attendance or uh, numbers of people, say, on the national census who would align themselves with Christianity. Where does the National Church Life Survey fit when you've got things that might indicate that uh, the number of people who are aligning with Christian faith is on the decline. Uh, are we are we uh, bad at uh, aligning ourselves with those, or should we align ourselves with those? Is that a is that a something of a uh, you know a challenging thought that we ought to be facing? Yeah. Look, I think it's it is important to think about. Uh, different ways of describing how a person is religious. So what our national census does, which the whole population does, is it's, the question is, what is your religion? And it's asking you a question about your identity. It's who do you, if you were to give yourself a label, if you were to say, I belong to a particular tribe, um, if you like, you know, a faith tribe, a faith tradition, would you label yourself? And what we see from the national census that the government collects is there has been a decline in the people who say, I see myself, I will give myself the label of belonging to the Christian tribe. Whereas historically, people were much more comfortable in Australia to say, oh, yes, you know, I'm part of the Anglican Church, the Catholic Church. They, they took that identity. But your identity is different to maybe your religious um, practice. So what the National Church Life Survey does is adds to that picture of identity by saying, let's look at how, how people practice their religion. And so we're interested in people who actually go to church and we find out about them. And that gives you a different story. So one of the things that we've found over time is that um, in terms of when you ask Australians, do you go to church, uh, there has been a decline as well. But interestingly, by tracking it over the last, say, uh, couple of decades, we're seeing that that sort of drop-off, if you like, that slippery slope, is actually slowing down. It's like, you know, it's starting to flatten out. So that's one interesting story. And we're sitting at around 18% of Australians now say, I go to church at least once a month. So that's a that's a practice, if you like. Mm-hmm. And Ruth, I don't, I don't give away your age here at all, <laughs> because. Uh, but I've been, I've now known you uh, since the beginning when these National Church Life Surveys began, early nineteen nineties, and uh, you've had this wonderful opportunity to be on the journey over this past thirty odd years, and yes. uh, you've been able to. 
uh, be able to uh, sort of, you know, discern what's happening. You know, when we talk trends, you're really across some of these trends. How do we look over the past 30 years from that first one back in the early 1990s uh, to where the latest National Church Life Survey takes us today? What have you noticed uh, in the ups and downs? Mm, goodness me, that's a big question. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is an incredible privilege to have journeyed with the church in what has been a bit of a tough time in many ways. Um, I, I sometimes comment that, you know, my, my blessing uh, or the burden I've had to carry is to be someone who has had this um, perspective on a church in a real time of incredible change. And, and certainly there have been other times, but you know, the, the story of decline is a tough one to be the messenger about. But what we've also seen, and it's really important to hear this, is that within local churches, we've seen first, if you like, over that time, perhaps a bit of a a bewilderment. You know, a, 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 like in the early 90s, it was a bit of, what's going on? What do you mean the church is declining? You know, like be, having a sense of, oh, you know, I can see things in my local area, but a bit of a bewilderment. And then sort of through the 90s, etc., sometimes I think it was like, you know, a bunch of chooks with their heads chopped off, everybody running around frantically with no idea, you know, like there was this sort of franticness, if you like. Um, then you start to see people going, all right, we accept that the context has changed, our mission task has changed, and we're now starting, we don't know what the future holds, but we're starting to have a go. We're going to try some things. And you saw this sort of tentative experimenting and people having a go. As we come now to where we are in the, you know, the, the 2000s and you know, right through to the mid-2000s, um, what we then see is the church consolidating some things, going, well, that didn't work, but we're going to try this, and let's try this over here. And there's a, people are settling in to accepting the challenges and getting on with the hard work of going, okay, the place of the church in Australian society is changing. We can't assume we have the the authority to speak that we perhaps once had. Our reputation has taken a few major hits, um, but we are still here. And what I hear from Australian church attenders today, those who have stayed part of church, is you see an incredible commitment. You see a stronger positioning in terms of people's sense of this place is important to me in my in my growth in faith, to nurture my spiritual growth in faith. This place is important to me in terms of my relationships with others. This place is important to me as it helps me live out my faith in terms of serving others or standing up for others, advocating for others. And so people are finding a new voice for how to express their faith. So it's quite exciting in a way to see that emergence of the church finding its feet again, being knocked a bit knocked about, but then going, we are still here and we're going to do what we feel called to do as the body of Christ in this place. And Ruth, it is an encouragement, isn't it, that while we're talking about the 30 years of the National Church Life Survey, uh, that's not the extent of it because we've got 2,000 years of history of the church and the church in that 
that time has shown itself time and again to be adaptable and innovative and continues, if we're taking context around the world, continues to grow. So this is actually, it might be our local story here in Australia where we might have a few challenges to face, but overall, uh, Jesus is still building his church and it, it does go from strength to strength. Yes, you're right. It's very important not to just have you know, the so-called Western nation story, you know, the Northern Hemisphere story and go, what's happening in the in Europe or Britain or even the US and go, well, that's it. What, what um, lots of global researchers have found is, as you've mentioned, sort of, you know, Christianity worldwide is growing, but it's repositioning in the global south. So incredible growth uh, in, in Latin America, in Africa, in other places. And there needs to be a humility, if you like, from those who used to be the sort of the um, provide global leadership. There needs to be a humility now to say we need to learn from other parts of, of the global church. We need to, to embrace um, new times. And I think Australia, again, has a, has a possibility here because we are such a multicultural nation, one of the most multicultural nations in the world. And so we get to practice what it is to be multicultural church as well, to live together, to, to learn from each other. And I think that's a real asset that the Australian church has that perhaps positions us in a better place than perhaps other nations are. And when we talk about this word adapting and innovating, one of the findings that you had in the most recent National Church Life Survey is that while there might be some challenges being faced, this idea of trying something new, of innovating, this is catching on in a significant way in Australian churches. What can you tell us about how optimistic people in churches where they're looking to do trying some new things how how, uh, optimistic ought we be about those sorts of directions yeah well um we asked a whole series of questions about innovation which is one of the core qualities of healthy churches if a church is open to trying something new we see that they actually have a whole lot of other things that are is, is um possible for them so we asked them a range of questions about um this this whole area he was a tough one. We started with a question that said, do you think that traditional established, you know, you love church, you're there and you're there because you love it. If you didn't, you'd, you'd be gone. That's the reality. So he said, do you think the traditional established models of church life need to change in order to connect with the wider Australian community? It's quite a tough one to say, mm. we actually need to, to be different because for our mission task to be sent and to be disciples um, we need to actually let go. Seven out of ten church attenders said, yes, we need to change because of the greater call to be more positioned to connect with the wider Australian community. So that was, that was extraordinary. Be- given the, the disengagement that Australians have from, from churches, as they disengage, the church is going, all right, we don't just need to bunker down and put the walls up and just, you know, be faith the faithful few. We actually need to be willing to change to reach out. Then we said, all right, 
What about you personally, though? If you had to change, um, if something happened in your church, you know, they were, they were going to turn the pews around. They were going to, you know, take the overhead projector out. I don't know. I'm, I'm making up things here. But, yep. you know, if it impacted on you and you needed to be involved, would you personally, it's all very well to wave your hands and say they, t- they should do something different. But if it impacted on you, would you be willing to support new initiatives in your local church? Eight out of ten church attenders said, I would support the development of new initiatives in ministry and mission in my church. Then we asked another one. We said, all right, do you think your local church is open to try something new? You know, you say, because you could have people in there going, come on, let's change. I want to change. But do you think your church is ready? Again, seven out of ten church attenders say, I believe my church is ready to try something new. So the need is there, the personal commitment is there, and the sense that together our church is ready to try something new is there. So that, for me, the extraordinary findings in terms of uh, a church that could be feeling, you know, under siege, if you like, there is this, this hunger to, to be more open. And what we've seen is that appetite to say we're ready to try something new, even over the last four waves of our National Church Life Survey, it's gone up and up and up and up. So we are more open than even we were, you know, in 2000. Well, that is so encouraging. And Mm. we might not be out of the under siege position yet uh, with some things developing this year. But I know that so many listeners will be so encouraged when you talk about 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10, Mm -hmm. uh, expectant to manoeuvre into new things. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 to participate in our conversation today. Dr Ruth Powell is our guest, Director of Research for the National Church Life Survey, getting something of a snapshot of the Australian church. You can also leave a question or a comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio, as Peter has. And Peter says... Church is about the vision of the pastor, generally speaking, and we have to subsidize it, not what the church should be. I'm finding it hard to find an empowering church that's not about property, status and entertainment. Now, let's get a thought or two perhaps from Ruth Powell. I mean, have you heard that sort of sentiment and people maybe even a little bit concerned about their church because there's a focus on property and status and entertainment? Ruth, your thoughts for Peter? Mm, look, I think he's he's named a really key thing, and that is uh, um, the vision of the church. And we have found, you know, over the last decades, the thing that keeps coming to the surface when you want to find a healthy church, what I look for, you go, if I want to look for one thing, tell me how many people in that church say, I'm aware of the vision for the future, but more than that, I'm committed to the vision for the future. And what Peter's uh, expressing is the potential that someone's got a vision, but if the together people don't own that vision, then that church will not flourish. And so we know, for example, in, in across the country, we have about more than half uh, of all church attenders say, not only am I aware of a vision, but I'm committed to it. And we have a sense of some of them are strongly committed and some of them are not so strong. 
Then you've got people who are going, look, I don't know what the vision is. Another smaller group, about 13%, say, look, um, look there's some ideas, but there's no vision. Uh, and again, we're looking for if people have a sense of what we describe as collective confidence. If you have together, it's the yes, we can. It's not I, it's not his vision, not her vision, but it's our vision. That feature of if you have a church where there is a high level of collective confidence, you have a church where people are growing in their faith. They feel they belong. They can make friends. They're involved. They're um they're thriving. No matter how you look at it, all the other signs of vitality come if you if you tell me about the collective confidence. And what Peter's hinting at is perhaps there is not the levels of shared vision and collective confidence about achieving that vision. Okay. Well, thank you for your comment on our Facebook page, Peter. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. If you'd like to write a question or comment there or 1-800-316-316 to be part of our talkback conversation. Ruth, let's talk about the sorts of things that Christians value. Uh, in mm-hmm. church, in church life. Uh, what are your immediate uh, thoughts and uh, how does the research talk about the, the, the way we think about what we value? Uh, for sure. We asked all church attenders what they most value in their local church because you're motivated about, you know, you, you participate in, in things that you value. Um, your actions follow that. And so what we found is that of all the things that congregations do, uh, the thing that people most spoke about when we gave them a whole list of things and asked them to, to pick some, you know, what your top things are, what they most valued are really two aspects. One is sharing the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion or the Eucharist, all different words from different traditions for describing the same thing. That comes up as one of the top things that church attenders value. The other thing that comes up is that the preaching, teaching um, in the sermons. Mm. So what you have is people say, I value the worship experience. I value the core components of when we gather together and worship together. This is what's important. Now, let me just throw in a little bit of uh, interest in terms of um, denominational differences. There are quite strong differences on this one. So um, the Catholic uh, Church, for example, most Catholics will put number one, celebrating the Eucharist or Holy Communion, as the thing that they most value. 61% of Catholics say that versus 25% of Protestants. So it's clearly linked with their faith tradition. The, the coming together to celebrate the Eucharist is at the heart of what they value when they, when they attend their local Mass. Um, on the Protestant side, in a sense, it's not surprising given the, you know, the whole uh, story of the Protestant Reformation, etc. What they most value is um, the sermons or homilies or, or preaching, with 45% of Protestants saying this is the top thing and 28% of Catholics. So it's a reverse. So the two things together, flavoured by your faith tradition, are what, are what comes up as really important. Then after that, some of the other things that they value are... Um, shared between all churches is praying for one another. So in that mix is not is not only the care and concern for another person, but actually um, interceding, actually saying, I value that the people here pray for me and that I can pray for them. And that through that spiritual connection with God, uh, that prayer is incredibly important. 
And interestingly, the word belonging comes to mm-hmm. mind when you start to describe those things that people hold highly as their values. Because, mm. and and the other dimension, of course, is when we understand that this is what the research shows. How much is it incumbent upon us to say, well, this might be what the research shows, uh, but is this what we can glean from a biblical foundation for what we ought to value in church life? What are your thoughts mm. there, Ruth? Mm. Well, in a sense, we when we think about, as researchers, we have to think about the question, how are we going to describe what a healthy church is? And because uh, we're trying to measure that, really, is, is part of what we're doing. And so we can say, this is a healthy church, this is a less healthy church, or these are the signs of health vitality. And when we come to it, really, we've boiled it down to going, there are three, in simplest terms, there are three things that churches should be doing. And I think you can, you'll hear when I describe them, um, the, sort of the, the biblical uh, basis for, for, for each of these. The first one is that a healthy, what is the job of a church? Why do we have churches, if you like? Why do we gather? Why did, why did Jesus, after you know um, Pentecost, say, all right, over to you guys? One of them is to say, they are places that are supposed to help you build your relationship with God. First and foremost, this is not just a club, a community group. This is a place where people together use their gifts and skills, God-given gifts and skills, um, to support each other, to grow their relationship there as followers of Jesus. So we are looking in our work to go, what's happening in a church that actually nurtures people's relationship with God? That's the first thing. The second thing we do is to say um, healthy churches should be about helping people in their relationship with each other. This is about fellowship, if you like. That would be a a Christian word that would be used to describe that that relational connection. And this is about the care and concern and love. It's it's, um, that that part of it. So uh, fellowship, relationship with each other. The third dimension is about the call to mission. The third thing a healthy church should do is help people in their relationship with the wider community. And so that is the call uh, not only to, you know, it's the call to look after the widows and the orphans, the marginalised, the, the, the foreigner, all of those biblical calls to say, you know, when you go in mission, when you reach out beyond yourself, you are sent um, not only to be the hands and feet, feet of Christ, but to also speak the word, to actually testify, to witness. Ruth, to wonderful insights it. there. And we're mm. going to take a break for Vision National News, continuing our conversation after the news. Dr. Ruth Powell is our guest. She's Director of Research for the National Church Life Survey. I might say that there is a website where you can glean a lot of wonderful resources all about the sorts of things we're talking about today, ncls.org.au, ncls.org.au. Ruth Powell, let's talk about some of the things that we might understand about our local churches and the way we relate into the wider community. What sort of things did you glean from survey findings about the church and the community? Mm. Uh, yes, the the idea of being open to the wider community continues to be uh, very important. And we acknowledge that, again, Australians have mixed views on whether Christianity is good for uh, Australian society 
um, which is, I guess, a bit tough. But when you ask church attenders uh, about mission, about the idea of being sent, um, we ask them, what does that word even mean to you? And around half of all church attenders, their, their understanding of the word mission is to be a witness to Jesus Christ through my actions. And another four in ten said, it's about proclaiming the word of God. And three in ten said, it's about reaching out to people in the local area. And a similar group said, serving people who are poor. So there's a, there's a proclamation witness part of how church attenders see mission. And then there's an action part, actually serving those being there present for those in the local area. And one of the lovely things that uh, the National Church Life Survey can do is to provide a map of what local churches are doing on the ground. And often, you know, you might know what your own local church is doing, but this is where, say, our, our denominational leaders are really encouraged um, when we say, we can map for you what's going on on the ground. And some of the things we've said about what local churches are doing uh, for example, most local churches are offering services to their communities. Things like three quarters of them, of churches in Australia, offer emergency relief or material assistance, you know, food, uh, clothes for the needy or food or things like that. Three quarters have that emergency um, possibility. You have people, again, around three quarters who are visiting people in prison, people in hospitals, each other. So you think, my goodness, across our country, we've got around 12,000, more than 12,000 local churches. And most of them are out doing that practical stuff of, of making connections with people, um, offering material assistance. About half of them, 44%, um, just under half, are offering counselling services. So practical help in terms of going, local churches are offering marriage counselling, parenting programs, things like that. And so there's this extraordinary diverse way that churches are serving their communities. We had a response on our Facebook page from Glennis who says, I don't go to church for what I can get, but for what I can give. But as you give of yourself, your time, talents, money, praise and worship unto the Lord, you will be satisfied. God gives as we give, but he gives much more. Don't look at people who satisfy you. Only God can do that through Christ. Do you think well, your thoughts for Glennis, and I'll uh, and I'll reflect on some of that myself. But uh, your thoughts for Glennis? Well, this is it's a, again a lovely point that ties in with what we're talking about here, because sometimes people have the view that, uh, or you hear this sort of thing of going, oh, ch- people, church people just they go into their own churches, they look after each other, they turn inwards, and they disconnect from the world. You know, what we have found is far from that truth. In fact, if you want to find people who are the givers then look for people who are church attenders. So let's say volunteers. In Australian community, you have people who volunteer in all sorts of wonderful ways. Who are the best volunteers? The highest proportion of volunteers? People who are church attenders. So Glennis, as she describes the giving of herself, is a perfect example of many, many people, again, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people across the country who give of themselves. 
Like we know, for example, that 46%, nearly half of all church attenders are volunteering. And they are volunteering not just through church activities, but in the wider community. And that really, you know, the evidence speaks to that and say, it's not about people turning inwards. It's actually, you, they, not only do they serve within their church, but actually they reach out uh, in real ways in, in all sorts of creative uh, possibilities. And that's, again, it's like this massive um, resource that Australia has that's probably underappreciated. <laughs> yeah. And yet there are perceptions, aren't there, uh, of what Christians are doing in church. And, uh, you know, whether you say uh, self-indulgent or self-absorbed, and as Mm -hmm. you're describing it, the opposite is true. But the perceptions Mm -hmm. from the outside... Now, while you're surveying people within the church, Ruth, what Mm -hmm. can we glean from the sort of research that you've done about... The unchurched, perhaps their perceptions of us or the direction that the unchurched might be heading and where they feel as though they're getting real value in their life too. What does your research reveal about them? All right. It's been very important for us over the years not to simply listen to people who go to church, but again with that sense of this is about um, the church who is part of God's mission. And therefore, we need to also listen to what Australians in the wider community are saying, uh, saying about God and about the church. And sometimes that's tough to hear, but unless we hear them, that the bridges are harder to build. And so we asked, we do some community surveys as well that, that are a sample of Australians in the whole population. And we asked them a whole range of questions about their religious beliefs and experiences and practices. So we've already talked about religious identity, which is where, you know, do you, do you label yourself as a Christian? Um, and that's, that's something that's certainly gone down. And younger people are less likely to, to take on a religious identity. And they will mo- more likely say, I have no religion. Um, but let's ask about how, how many Australians believe in God. We found that nearly half of all Australians still say, I believe in God. When you push it out and say, what about, you know, a God or a spirit or life force? It's even a little bit higher. It's about six in ten, say, I believe in God or some kind of higher power. So that's still, you know, the majority of Australians still have belief in in God or a higher power. And that's reflected too in the census results, isn't it? Uh, Where people believe in God uh, and this idea of people praying and having supernatural experiences, all of this is part of whether you go along to a local church or not. And so doesn't that mean that there are some warm connections for people who are in church, that there are people in the wider community who just aren't connected to a church? Is it perhaps because... They just haven't met someone that they can identify with and relate to and, and, and a church that they can belong to. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because as you've just mentioned, you know, there are many Australians who pray or meditate. Three in ten pray or meditate, which is incredibly high every week or at least once a week, they, people are praying. Three in ten Australians are praying. When you ask about their religious experiences, you, there's over a quarter of them who've had a religious experience, and there's others who go, well, look, I haven't, but I know someone, or I think, I, you know, I think it's possible. That adds up to six in ten Australians go, I've had a mystical or supernatural experience, or I think it's possible. So again, there's this in, there is a deeper openness to um, experience, to practice, um, to prayer, 
uh, and to belief. And so you've asked the question about maybe it's not um, all antagonism. And I think that's an important message to, to understand that um, when you listen to Australians, while church attenders are in the minority, 18% are regular, frequent church attenders. They go once a month, which means there's a lot that don't. Um, we've asked them questions around, um, would you, to the, this is for non-attending people, would you go to church if someone invited you? And uh, this is new, new results that are just coming out at the moment. And what we found is if a family or friend invited someone to church that doesn't currently go, there's two groups. There are the group who used to go to church and then there's a group who never went to church. Okay, They have no church history. But if you're talking about to the Australians who used to go to church um, and ask them, if your friend or family member invited you to come, most of them would say, yes, I'd be willing to go. Or, look, I'm not sure which means they're not closed to it. So there's this group of Australians who are sort of open. And there's even a group of people who've got no church history, but say, look, if someone invited me, I would go along. And what we know from those who've made it to church, newcomers from outside the church who've made it in, what they tell us about their experience is, someone invited me. Someone I trust and know invited me. And it's because of that relational connection uh, that people actually try church. And they probably won't try on the first time or the second time or the third time. Um, but it, it comes out of the relational relationship with people uh, that you're close to, that you trust. And say when they say, why don't you come to church with me? Then people try that. So Australians are saying, look, I'd be, you know, try me out, invite me. And then those who actually have been invited go, yep, I'm here because someone invited me. <laughs> well, I feel like jumping in uh, usually towards the end of our Friday 2020 program. I make an encouragement each week where I say, as you're making your plan for the weekend, thinking about rolling out of bed on Sunday morning and, in, and uh, going along to your local church, uh, Friday is a wonderful time to make an invitation to a friend or a neighbour or a work colleague, someone close to you, uh, to go along to your local church. So I'll make that little invitation a little earlier today, given what you've just been sharing, Ruth, and uh, an encouragement to every listener. And, and this is not about some sort of other church. This is about your local church. Uh, invite a friend this coming Sunday. Let me just ask you about perceptions here, Ruth, because... Sometimes, and if we're talking about what people, uh, what we understand about people outside the the unchurched, perhaps this perception that somehow or other uh, Christians, when they get to church, they leave their intelligence at the door. Uh, mm. But this is not the case, is it? Because I'm always surprised by the findings of your National Church Life surveys as to how educated the people are who are going along to local churches. Uh, these are not unintelligent people. They've thought through the issues and they're there uh, because, you know, God has obviously there's been an encounter somewhere in their life. But but this is not something where you do leave your intelligence at the door. In fact, I would say God wants us to take our intelligence to church. Mm, yes, my goodness. This is a really interesting one. What we find is um, there are more highly educated church attenders than there were even 10 years earlier. 
So in wow. 2006, for example, 27% of church attenders had a university degree. By 2016, 37% of church attenders have a university degree. So 37% of people in church currently are university qualified. So that's, that's quite extraordinary. Now, the whole of Australia is getting educated. Um, so that's part of what we're seeing there. But added to that is the fact that church attenders are more qualified, educationally qualified, and have higher levels of education than the wider community. So while the wider community is increasing, the church is still ahead by a long way. So as you say, this is this is not. Um, there's no intelligence left at the door, and having a degree doesn't always say. You know, uh, people without a degree are also many of them are intelligent. They've found their sources of knowledge from other ways in other places, um, but it's just one little indicator to go. Um, this is this is perhaps a bit of a surprise for people that the church attenders are so highly educated. Well, I want to invite you to be part of our conversation, uh, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to join in. Let's take a call from Chris in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. G'day, Neil. Yes, I just want to make a little comment. I think the, the only message that churches should be spreading now to people is don't reject the perfect message because of flawed messengers. And you can point out in the Bible all the, the great apostles were flawed, the great, you know, People like Abraham, Adam, all flawed people, but the message is still perfect. So, you know. Chris, what a great insight. Your thoughts, mm. Ruth? Yes, absolutely. I think you've, you've said it so beautifully. that, uh, And that's probably just the history of the church as well. And as you say, right through the whole Bible, so many stories of, of the messenger being flawed. And it's, it's out of the brokenness, perhaps. Um, yeah, there's a lovely Leonard Cohen song, but it's, you know, um, there's a crack in everything, but that's how the light gets in. And so we are all, you know, cracked vessels trying to carry um, the light. But as, 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 if, as those who are followers of Jesus can actually share that light and show that light uh, through their actions, through, through their words, and through the, the brokenness, um, that's, that's where I think there can be you know, a huge impact. Thank you so much for your call, Chris. Uh, let me ask you, Ruth, about what churchgoers want, uh, what they want from their church experience, what they want in their life. Do they have particular aspirations that you can identify from your survey details? What do we want out of church? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, it, it picks up some of the things that church attenders say they want, picks up some of the things about what they value, which is not surprising. But we, we ask them a very clear question about what are, you, what are your priorities in the next 12 months for your local church? And that's to help local churches think about, um, you know, what are the people saying, because they're observing and participating, about what the priorities are. What they say they want um, is spiritual growth. They want churches to nurture their spiritual growth or the the growth of everybody. So it's like that's our core business again, to help us um, be followers of Jesus, disciples of Christ. Uh, They also ask for community. They ask for that relational strength as well Um, because it's as we, you know, they'll know we are Christians by our love and it's love God, love your neighbor. So that's really what they're naming. I want to love God more and I want to, you know, I want to love my neighbor and I want my neighbor to love me. Um, so that they're asking for community. And then they're asking for nurturing worship services, which is the gathering where everybody comes together and actually together um, points, points to God and lifts God up, te- learns, 
nurtures their their minds, their hearts, their souls, their spirits, and has that sense of being gathered in order to be sent back out in mission. And so they ask for that. Another set of things that they say they want, and this perhaps is growing because of the mix of younger people, etc., is they're saying, I have gifts and skills that I actually want to offer. And in the rest of my world, perhaps because I'm a young, educated person or an older person as well, I have things that I believe God has given me and I want to share those. So the the question about... Um, you know, does your church empower you? Do you feel your gifts and skills are encouraged and nurtured? Are your ideas listened to? There's a, there's a whole lot of church attenders going, I, I, I have something to offer. I have strengths in certain areas and I would love to be part of the body and find my place in the body and do what it is that I feel that I've got to, um, to do and offer. And, I, and that's the next thing that they say they want is, I want to play my part in the body of Christ. Ruth, we're running out of time, just a few minutes remaining for our conversation. For those who are sitting listening to our conversation today saying, well, I never hear about this sort of thing in church. I wonder whether the pastor or the priest at my church knows all of this information and has a context for our local church in our local community. How do people get a hold of some of the research detail? Now, some of it obviously is going to be free and easy to get a hold of, and you've got some really detailed uh, research that you know you might pay a few dollars for. But for listeners who are thinking, I need to get a hold of some more of this, uh, when they mm-hmm. go to the NCLS website, ncls.org.au, what sort of things can you get that help you to understand church in your local community? Uh, well, look, one thing I do just to get general information is go to the news section and just read some of the news articles that are there. Uh, you can sign up to our Facebook feed and we'll let you know the latest research. We're constantly putting out new research findings from what is the, the biggest database on church life in the world. So my team is busy constantly harvesting and finding new things out. So pop onto our either Twitter feed or Facebook feed to, to keep track of that. If you're interested in your own local church results, I would suggest two things. Go to your leaders and say, did we take part and can I see our church life profile? And they should be able to give you a number at which you can uh, go to our website and put in your own local church's number, profile number, and view your own local results. And that might, you know, start a good conversation. If your church didn't take part, well, you can run a church life survey at any time. So through the website, contact our office and we can help your, your church reflect on where, what your people are saying about the health and vitality in order for churches to build on their strengths. And you get a whole lovely set of material for you to actually have a good conversation about where are our strengths, where can we focus in order to build our church so that we can be part of God's mission as effectively as possible. And Ruth, it is the case, isn't it, that it might be five years between the overall official National Church Life Survey, and that'll be a real encouragement to people to saying, well, we didn't participate this last one, we can do it any time and we can participate. But in the five years, in between the official ones, uh, it takes a long time to actually do the research and get that out and help it to filter through to the churches. So it really is a, a process and there's new information coming out all the time. Is that the case? 
Exactly, exactly. We're constantly, it, as I said, it's the biggest database. So we, our first priority was to get the local results back as quickly as we could and then the results back to denominational leaders. So all of those jobs have been done. People who commissioned research, they all got their reports last year and now we're doing the harvesting of the thousands and thousands of survey questions that we actually asked, um, both of attenders, of children. We did a children's survey. We talked to leaders about their experience of whether they, how they're going in terms of their own sustainability and their, their sense of effectiveness. Um, we asked lots of questions from what the churches are actually doing uh, in terms of their activities, etc. So it's just a mountain and it's, we're constantly providing new information. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's mid-cycle for our national surveys this year, next year. So it's a, if you want to do an in-between survey, uh, now's the time. Local church will get your own results back. You know, it's, it's, think of it as an instant church life survey. You can, we'll send you the forms, get it done straight back to us, and you'll get your results, you know, within days. So uh, that's possible any time now, and then we'll gear up for the next big national moment. Um, if we follow our cycle, it'll be the same year as the census, which will be uh, 2021. That's right. Wonderfully refreshing every time we talk, Ruth. Thank you so much for taking some time to share your thought and your heart with us today as we talk about these issues. I'll point people to the website ncls.org.au. Take advantage of the opportunity there to check those news articles or get onto the Facebook feed or get some of that really more detailed research or make sure you get your local church doing a survey and getting a snapshot of what things are like in your local church because you can then compare that to how that's happening in the wider community around where you are locally and then what that means nationally. Dr. Ruth Powell is the Director of Research for the National Church Life Survey. Ruth, I look forward to another catch-up sometime soon, but thank you so much for being with us again today on Twitter. 2020. Mm, thanks for having me. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.